You're listening to an Imagine More podcast. The presentation you're about to hear was recorded as part of the 2021 Get That Good Life Conference. We split this session into four parts. This is part two. So the second theme in building this powerhouse team is really getting to know who is this person at the core. And people have lots of ways of doing this already, but we really need to have a a fulsome conversation with the, the new support person, with the support team around who is this person and how are we going to get to know them? How do you spend time in, in, in getting to know them? And this takes thoughtfulness. It isn't just a slapdash. This is my son. These are things he's interested in. Go out and have a good time, right? We get to know each other in layers. And it's kind of the layers that you want the supporter to be curious about and, and get to know. So there might be uh, lots of different starting points for the person. And a good question to ask people is, uh, you know, when is she her best self? When does she really shine? And what are, what are the circumstances and who are the people and what is she doing at the time? And what's the role that she's carrying? And you can ask the person themselves. You can ask others around, particularly family members, and you can ask over time. Asking over time is super important. You want to find out from family for a start, what's their history. And from the person themselves, they tell you about who they are in lots and lots of different ways. It doesn't matter if they have a spoken language or not. People lead you to places. They show you sometimes things in their personal space, maybe after a little while, even their bedroom. And what do they dwell on? What are they drawn to? What are they moving toward? Do people, uh, you know, a hurry to get outside and just love the, the sunshine on their face or they, you know, really happiest and, and calmest in a, in a cozy room with some favorite music on. And these are things that you need to not just take for granted, but really, really think about. I recall a time when I was getting to know a man named Rob and many of you will know Rob is a part of a four person collaborator that produces children's books. He's a diversity consultant in a local daycare. He has a few important roles in his life. Uh, One thing about Rob is a very quiet man, doesn't speak at at all. And uh, when I was just first getting to know him, I knew he was quiet. I knew he didn't speak in words. And I knew some of the ways he communicated with his eyes and uh, gestures and a, a couple of things like that. But until I had time alone with him, I didn't really get the full sense of Rob and the Zen quality of his quietness. And so it was only after a couple of weeks when we had an opportunity to go outside for a walk and stopped at a park bench and nobody was around at all. And we sat together for like a beautiful 15 minutes where I just felt like I had gotten to know a deeper part of him that wasn't accessible when people were telling me about him or there was much busyness around. So I do encourage people uh, very much to take the time even a, a supporter new to the role, getting some time alone, first of all, just in another room and then just in another space completely. Because when you spend time alone in quiet communion with a person, you get to know them at another level. And the other thing is, uh, like when you're getting to know someone is always kind of pushing the edges. I remember getting to know a woman by the name of Brenda and what she really liked was picking up garbage along the sidewalks. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. Not hugely enhancing for her but clearly there's something about neatness that she kind of liked and there's something about collecting she kind of liked 
And so that also gave me lots of ideas of other things that we could try. I could ask, oh, if she likes picking up and collecting things, might she also like collecting a sea glass down by the lakeshore? Uh, we have these green uh, little bits of sea glass for decor or for jewelry that people make. Might she be interested in that? Or she'd really love to be outdoors with a great gardener. Might she also like to collect seeds for seed packages and that she could share those seed packages with other people, right? And so it's getting to know her and imagining where that can go. We need time to do that. That's not something you just pull off. And so for families, let's try to make some time that people have to do that. There is a caution, though. You also want people at some point to get on with things. So you can't always be exploring and discovering and never feeling you're quite there because you never are quite there. And so uh, we also really want people to spend some time doing that and then begin to work on the next steps that I'll outline in a minute. And I think it's really vital to understand that uh, families need to keep in mind when presenting their son or daughter to a new paid support that the ways that they talk about their son or daughter leave a very, very strong impact on this new support person. And so if you want them to get to know the person in ordinary, in really positive ways and understand where they shine and who they're going to be. Those are things you actually have to talk about and think about what do you start with? Are you starting with disability? Are you starting with the difficulties they're going to possibly encounter? Or are you starting with other aspects of the person that might really draw people in and delight them? So what you're really doing is helping the person get to know, be curious about the person and really be interested in them. At this point, it's really wise to be cautious that you're not doing this in order to build a friendship between the two. Certainly a relationship, not a friendship. I'll talk more about that in a minute, but that you really, with this knowledge, uh, this person can help think about situations and settings in which the person can contribute and, and grow. That's your reason for doing this. At the same time, it's really uh, clear that you can't figure out what interests this person if uh, some things are in place. If there is no opportunity for this person to try new things, all of their time is sewn up with activities that are already planned, events that they're involved in, and there's no opportunity to try new things, then you're not going to find out who else this person might be, what other interests they might have. When there's no chance to discover the same things as age, peers, neighbors, and cousins, so you need to have you know, some time on your hands. The person needs to have some time on their hands and they need to have age peers and neighbors and cousins around that they can say, oh, you know, people my age right now are interested in this kind of music, not that kind of music. And, you know, neighbors are going off to this environmental event at the end of the month, you know, and so those are opportunities to explore what other people are finding fascinating and so might this person. But if they have no chance to do that, you're not going to discover those interests. And lots of people need many, many opportunities to try the same thing until they get comfortable. And I'm not just talking about people with disabilities. I think uh, people have kind of proven over time, it's not that young people automatically like new music, but it's someone that they know and are fond of and look up to who say it's a good song. So they play it and play it and play it until it's familiar enough and they kind of get the message in it and then it becomes a favorite song. So we have to think about this for the people that we're supporting. How do they get to try things quite a few times before they make an ultimate decision? 
sometimes it's just absolutely no and you want to honor that. But if people like would give something a try a few times, you might either find out that you have a genuine interest or have another way to enter the interest that would excite them a little bit more. If they don't have any chance to explore the world beyond what they grew up with, you know, people sometimes get stuck in childish ideas about what they're interested in. And so, you know, if you started liking Disney princesses when you were six and still seemed to like them when you were 12 and, you know, given the occasional Disney princess movie when you're 18, where's the opportunity to decide whether is it is it the music that intrigues you? Is it those beautiful gowns? Is it the animation? And grow your world from there. And how you're introduced by all kinds of people limit other people's ideas of what you might be interested in. So we have to make sure that there's scope, there's opportunity, there's space for you to explore this person growing interests, new interests. This is probably a good time for uh, just a little silent uh, interaction. It's a, a silent reflection. It's an interaction with yourself rather than me. But just really think for a minute, if you're a family member, how is it that you talk about and portray your family member to a new supporter? How do you see and talk about the emerging person that is coming forth? How do you guide your supporters to have a, a good look at this and open and get to know the person more fully? And are you open to other people's ideas of who this is? Because often that's a really challenging piece. And paid support people. What are the ways you might get to know a person? What ideas could you give to a family that aren't overwhelming, but like small steps in getting to know someone? What are you keeping in mind to balance the information? How does the history of the person impact? How do you want to get to know this person now and potentially later on? How might that uh, uh, develop? And how do you take enough time to really notice? Is it that you take some notes, start a journal at the end of the day that you jot some things down? How do you hold that in, in your mind? And really what you're looking for, again, this isn't for your own friendship with the person, but for the parts of the person that may come into friendship with other people that you bring them to. I'm reminded in this by um, Tiffany, who's the artist that I, I spoke about earlier, in the early days of someone suggesting she might be interested in their art. Her mom, her automatic response was, oh my goodness, Tiffany uh, really didn't like her art classes at all. She threw down her brushes. She didn't really get involved. So I would say coming out of high school, that isn't an area that, that has got much leeway. And the woman who raised the idea said, you know, I'm an artist. And I was just struck by how when she's out and about, you know, she'll stop and just look at a flower and she'll stop and really pay attention to a part of the sky. And I just wondered, because I do that, and I wondered if she's just wondering how those might be recreated in some way. And so Tiffany's mom, to her credit, said, well, I don't actually see that. But if you think there's something there, I could well have missed it. I don't know everything about her. Go away and see what you might discover together. And so they did. And it was in that time with a permission of her mom who didn't quite see it, but was willing to give someone else some leeway and try. And Tiffany's continued interest in the little bits that, in fact, we were able to um, find out that Tiffany was greatly interested in the idea of art and recreation of things. And so, you know, again, the flexibility of the family thinking um, is really helpful and important. We're getting now into the thing I'm going to spend the most time on, and that is the role of paid support. And it's really essential 
that the family and their team have a common understanding of the role of paid support. And the role gives you what's the identity of the paid support person? What is their purpose? What are some of the things they do and don't do? That's why this role is so, so important to get right. Um, when the role is done in a certain way, it's really valued, hard to replace and, and unique, but it can be difficult to pin down. And so we're going to kind of spend some time at it. And we're going to start with an exercise that gets you all thinking just a, a little bit. Let me know what is the support role and what is it not? And I'm really looking for uh, kind of roles. What roles? What is the support role and what is it not? And roles are words that often get preceded by ah or the. And so they're, they're nouns, right? So the support role is perhaps a, a helper, the coach, a mentor. And what it is not is perhaps a, a childminder, you know? And so those are the words that I'm looking for, those role kind of language. What's your idea about this role? And it, it, it's very helpful to say, us to think about both what it is and what it is not. It helps to clarify what we do mean. And if you're going through this with a support team, this is a great exercise. It really helps people to kind of zero in on what is the expectation around them? Who are they going to be while they're supporting this person in various ways? We don't want this person to be the babysitter or the friend or the carer. We do want this person to be the mentor, the coach, is a facilitator of access. That's really well done. Facilitator of contribution and connection. Yeah, that's nicely worded is a bridge to community, an encourager and not a babysitter. So there's some ideas there. Not a parent. Yeah, that's great. Those are good ideas. A connector to others, a communications conduit. It's someone's written not a parent again. I think people are feeling strongly about that this is not the parent. Your son or daughter has one or two of those, and that's probably sufficient. What's missing are some of these other things. So what else do we have here coming up? is not a manager of, of people, right? Um, someone's got a supporter is an, an enabler, a friendship developer. That's great. Um, a guide, an art mentor. They are not the artist, a connector, an ideas person, an encourager, a personal assistant. I like that. Doesn't take over, not a controller, is a listener. Not doing for, doing with, so along the ideas of guiding, enabling, rather than doing for. At this point, we had a slight technical glitch, and Janet continued after a couple of minutes. If a paid supporter takes on the role of friendship, the person with a disability might think they have a friend. The parents might think there is a friend in place, and the supporter themselves might indeed think they're a friend and wish they were a friend and say that they're a friend. But paid support is different than friendship for most of us in our lives. And I sometimes tell the story, I'll tell briefly right here, um, a friend of mine that I knew for uh, many, many years, I met her when I did a stint in services. And she was somebody who I was brand new to the field and heard about this community living. And she was living in community and had all these friends that she talked to me about. And I was so keen and excited to see what her full life looked like. And within a couple of weeks, I figured out that all of the people that she could name and she could tell me the names of their dogs and their kids were all past supporters. And there was 17 of them at one point that she could tell me by name. 
were friends who never showed up to her door, who never invited her to anything, and who never um, were actually present in her life. They were past supporters. Their lives took on momentum of their own, and any promises to friendship that they had made just couldn't be honored. That experience for me was the end of me calling myself friends to anyone I was in paid relationships with. Um, and waiting to see if my desire for friendship would last after the last paycheck. And uh, for a few people, that proved to be true. And I am good friends with people I once supported, but not, I wasn't a friendship during the time I was support. The essential thing is if you're uh, the paid, if you see yourself as the fr- friend, it is almost impossible for you then to be the bridge to relationship. And that could be an even more powerful role. And so, um, really, this is worth a a very good discussion with your paid team. In essence, you know, you're not the friend, but you need to understand that you are an essential part of the team. And in fact, you take on a role that nobody else can take on. It's not a family role to bridge. You've got dedicated time carved out in your life for you to be a bridge and introduce this person to other people with whom they share interests and with whom they share space and community. So there's a great privilege in doing that. And to do it right, we're going to go into that, you know, low profile, but you're still essential. You often hold the belief in the possibility for relationship and connection and community when others can't even see it yet. You know, the absolute change maker. And you're assisting people at all angles to get comfortable with each other when they're not yet comfortable. And if you were not there, that work would not be done. So it's an absolutely essential role. And so I often tell people it's not a shortcoming in a supporter if she leaves and doesn't become a friend. Right. That's, uh, that, that, that wasn't on. However, if she doesn't provide good support, including bridging while she's there, and if she doesn't leave something good behind when she goes, it's really confusing a true friendship with a shortcoming. So some ideas of what gets in the way of being a bridge. It's, you know, things like if most of the time with the paid supporter is in one to one situations, that's not being a bridge. You're not opening up that person to other people and potential trying to, uh, Always be entertaining with the person, time-filling activities. There's no bridging that happens there. When you engage in spending time that uh, differs from what is valued and you don't end up meeting other people. Uh, when the support person is the expert so others don't think they can do what that person is possibly doing. Or when the support person becomes the center of attention. And you know that when you go into a place that someone's volunteered forever and they all know the name of the support person, but they can't remember your daughter's name. You're getting in the way of being a bridge when you only focus on your own interests. And time and time again, I ask, you know, why is this person in, you know, following this interest or that interest? And, and a good portion of the time, it's the interest of the supporter that's followed and not the person themselves. When you don't provide a, a positive interpretation of a person and why they're acting in a certain way in present, that that's being a barrier rather than a bridge. And if you're not comfortable on being chatty and kind of getting to know people and drawing people in, that gets in the way of being a bridge. One of the things that's become clear to me over time is that people say, well, that's all very well and good. I can see that the main role is a a bridge to relationship and connection when they're out and about in our neighborhood community. But there's so many other parts of the role and there must be other essential support roles for those times. And I've kind of thought it through and I think, you know, All support tasks can serve this role of bridge, and it's all very meaningful work. 
So for people who require personal care of getting up in the morning and getting dressed for their day, if you're preparing and assisting the person to be their best self, what you're doing is helping them to be ready physically, emotionally, and mentally so that when they connect with other people, they can be the best that they can be. When you're really getting to know a person so you understand how they speak and use their voice most fully, you're helping people to be able to enter into relationship with people more confidently. And that's being a bridge. That's part of that bridging role. You can be supporting and deepening people's roles in their life. And that is absolutely bridging work because when people are taking on valued roles, they're taking part in life in ways that are familiar and understandable to other people. And that's the beginning of relationship. When you're supporting people in housekeeping roles, there's many roles that we have in our lives that welcome people in and people see people as contributing. So things as mundane as you know, doing your dishes and keeping your floors clean are part of the role that will lead to bridging kinds of activities. So any role that you can be asked to take on as a paid support person actually at its core is a conduit to this role of being a bridge. You've been listening to an Imagine More podcast. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to review us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And go to imaginemore.org.au for more great content. Thank you.